1 Peter chapter 2, verses 13 through 25, Navigating Life's Difficulties. This is part 4. This is about government and employment. Beginning in verse 13, it says, Therefore submit yourselves to every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake, whether to the king as supreme, or to governors, or to those who are sent by him for the punishment of evildoers. And for this praise of those who do good, for this is the will of God, that by doing good you may put to silence the ignorance of foolish men, as free, yet not using liberty as a cloak for vice, but as bondservants of God. Honor all people, love the brethren, love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the king. So to live a godly life and do good has its application to our citizenship to the country where we live in here on earth. And remember, this letter is written by Peter to Christians who were in a great and growing persecution that was against them. The difficulty against them came by way of the Roman emperor named Caesar Nero. And the emperor had falsely blamed Christians for setting the fires that burned a great portion of Rome. The truth of the matter was Nero ordered the fires himself. So this persecution to the Christians is originated actually in government. It's unjust. It's unfair. It's not true. This government, Rome, at least from the top, was corrupt and dishonest. So it raises the question, so what kind of citizens are we supposed to be if government is like that? We'll come back to that. But in verse 13, it says that we are to obey the laws of the land that we live in, which means submit yourselves to every ordinance of man that we would be law-abiding citizens. We are never to be in the place of society ever as a criminal element. That is, being lawless, and being negative influence, or a drain or a bad mark on society. We should never be arrested for unrighteous reasons. Christians are not the ones to fill the jails or the prisons of a nation unless it's making us stand for the Lord. And that brings me on the other side of the coin, that we are to be obedient to God's commands as citizens here. We are to be obedient to God's commands if it comes against the governing authorities. He gives us our marching orders for his kingdom on earth with the Great Commission. And when Peter and John were being faced with not being able to do the Great Commission because of the religious authority, they said, whether it's right in the sight of God to listen to you more than God, or if it's right in the sight of God to listen to you more than to God, you be the judge. But we cannot but speak the things which we have seen and we have heard. And later in chapter 5, Peter says that we ought to obey God rather than man. But understand, the main purpose of government's foundation is to protect its citizens from evildoers. God established government for this very purpose back in Genesis 9, right after the flood, to produce protection to its citizens from attacks without. That is to be invaded or attacked by a foreign country. Government is to provide that. We, like many nations, have a military for that very purpose. But also government is to provide not only protection from attacks from without, but also protection from attacks from within. One citizen against another citizen of that same country. And since we benefit from this type of government, it's only correct that we pay taxes in support of government, military, law enforcement. We pay taxes for roads that we can drive safely on. So we support government with our finances. And Jesus echoed this to us when he said, Render to Caesar what is Caesar's, and to God what is God's. So Jesus came and he confirmed that government was a God-given institution because it provides us with law and order, and thus it's worthy of being supported through taxes. What that tax rate is to be, well, unfortunately, it doesn't stay in the Bible, and all of us wish it was in the Bible somewhere. 
But in the support of government by Peter, he is not saying that every government official is virtuous or that every law is commendable. It's not. It's an endorsement of the institution of government. It's the necessity of government in general. We can always respect the office, even though we don't always respect the officer. And here's a very important phrase right here in verse 17. It says that we actually really need to get along with all. Not everyone we run into is a Christian. That means not everyone is going to hold our value or our views on life and religion and politics. We share a nation. We share a government with those who are not Christians as well as those who are. So there will be those who will hold our political views, and there will be those that will not hold our political views. So how do we keep all this united? How do we hold all this together? And listen, Christian, there has to be on some non-spiritual level the need to get along. That is short of compromising the word of God. But Peter actually tells us four ways of getting along there in verse 17. He says, honor all people, respect other citizens of the same nation. If you can't respect the position, okay, but respect them as a person. They're still created in the image of God. Though they're fallen, they're still is their creator. And to understand, too, those folks are a lot smarter than you and I are on a lot of other different levels. God wants them to be saved as much as he wanted you and I to be saved. Jesus died on the cross for their sins, too. The second thing he says in verse 17 is love the brotherhood, which is speaking about fellow Christians. We're all in this together. We all face trials and persecution. And though as Christians we all have diversity and disagreement in the areas of our lives politically at times, but we're to unite in love. For those are the brotherhood, the sisterhood. We're not to be against each other, though we have differing political views, and maybe we have different positions politically. But to say, how can somebody be a Christian and they're a Democrat? Or how can somebody call themselves a Christian and they're in favor of that crook named Trump? And see, those kinds of things cause division. We're supposed to unify together. Yes, our positions may be different, but we need to respect each other, and we need to show really the witness of our unity together to the world that is around us. The third one is to fear God is to honor respect. The fear that we are to have is to fear of ever doing anything that would displease our God. And God wants us to be unified together that would not be pleasing to him if we're not unified together. So we honor him, our Lord, with our obedience. And it also says honoring of the king. Once again, we are to displace honor, respect to those who are in positions of authority as officials appointed by God for the maintenance of it ordered society. In this case, if you can't respect the person, you must respect the office. And though our citizenship is in heaven, we are to be good citizens of this nation, state, and city that the Lord has put us in. We are citizens of sacred heaven, and we are citizens of secular earth. They both are important. And continuing on in verse 18, it says, and servants, be submissive to your masters with all fear, not only to the good and gentle, but also to the harsh. For this is commendable because of the conscience towards God. One endures grief, suffering wrongfully. For what credit is it if when you are beaten for your faults, you take it patiently? But when you do good and suffer, if you take it patiently, this is commendable before God. For to this you were called because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that you, you and I should follow his steps. 
who committed no sin, nor was deceit found in his mouth, who when he was reviled did not revile in return. When he was suffered, he did not threaten, but committed himself to him who judges righteously, who himself bore our sins in his own body on the tree, that we having died to sins might live for righteousness by whose stripes you were healed. For you were like sheep going astray. And then now return to the shepherd and overseer of your soul. So we come to how we are to conduct ourselves as Christian employees. Remember, Peter is instructing them in how we are to conduct ourselves in difficult times. And in a difficult work environment where there can be lies and slander and untrue things said about us. As Peter said in verse 15, we conduct ourselves in such a way that will silence the ignorance of foolish man who believes those lies about us. These are people who believe something without checking out the facts themselves. And God says the best way to silence those accusations is to live a righteous life. And the workplace is one of those places. Just keep doing what God has called you to do and to be. Be faithful to your call to him. And that's not just being citizens, but also, as he's telling us here, in being employees. In verse 18, it says that we are servants. But actually, the right translation is slaves. Because at the time of this writing, it was said that one-third to one-half of the world's population were slaves. So you can imagine how many of these slaves were coming to Christ, a lot of them. So in the Roman Empire, that means that there were estimated about 60 million slaves. And if a slave was married and had children, then those children were property of the master. And thus the slaves for an owner kind of replenished themselves. And if a slave had a child that had an aptitude that was high, the master might send him off to school. He comes back. He might hold up a position that's not as medial as his parents. He might be a master accountant or a lawyer or a doctor or whatever his skill might be that he got trained in. Today, we don't have slaves. So this would be applied to employees who, are, who have an employer. Thus, that would be the application for us today. So as Christian employees, we are to submit to our Christian or non-Christian employer. The word submissive means that I am to honor the chain of command. I have a boss. I'm under their authority. And thus, I'm to obey the commands of that employer. It says that we are to have this Christian attitude and work ethic no matter what the character of the boss might be. In verse 18, it talks about harsh. You do good and you suffer under a harsh, jerk boss. Do good. You are spoken to as if you did something wrong. Now, I know that there are bosses out there that are almost unbearable. And you might think that this doesn't apply to you because your boss is the devil himself and nobody is supposed to submit to the devil himself. But understand this. We don't use the boss's temperament for not being faithful to the employee God has called me and you to be. Did you notice if we conduct ourselves to be faithful to a harsh boss, it's commendable before God. You are suffering for doing good. You've done nothing wrong. Now, if you are a bad employee and you suffer from the boss from that, well, then you're getting what you deserve. But if you do good and your boss is just belittles you and looks down upon you and, and he's a jerk and rakes you over the coals and, and just treats you meanly, well, that's commendable before you. For you are suffering for doing good because you haven't done anything wrong. And, of course, that leads us right into our example of Jesus, who was perfect. He was without sin, but they treat him as if he was a sinner. They treat him like he was a bad person. But he did nothing wrong. But that's our example. Jesus didn't have a harsh employer. He had a harsh world. 
and the greatest example of suffering unjustly in all of human history is found in the world's harsh treatment of Jesus. And how did he respond to this injustice? He didn't revile. When he was reviled, he didn't, he didn't, he didn't repay suffering with threats. And anyone can do that even when they're wrong. Well, I mean, what effort does it take to get even with somebody when they do you wrong and you did nothing wrong? Nothing at all. You won't even think about that. We can do that without even thinking about it. But to not get even when you did nothing wrong or not to threaten when you have suffered at some mean person's reviling and belittling is not normal in this world. But the thing is, it's strength under control. It's a discipline of life of meekness. And one guy said it when he was rudely treated, wrongly for nothing he did wrong, he said, I will never allow myself to react to that kind of behavior and be just like them. I will never allow myself to be like them and reacting like them. That kind of person will never determine for me that kind of reaction, period. Listen, God will never allow your life to be unfruitful in obedience to him. You might think this is a dead-end job. This is a horrible environment and so many unfair traits and so forth. Yet in your obedience to God to commit to him and trust him, your life on that job will produce fruit for God's kingdom. Was Jesus' unfair treatment and wrong done to his innocence unfruitful? No. So neither will yours be. Never forget, we are ambassadors for Christ in our workplace as well as our citizenship on earth. 